Bakersoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 28 Downstairs, the woman was moving about her work, stopping now and then for a moment to listen to the sounds overhead. Why don't they get to bed and to sleep, she muttered at length. Bill and the boys must be sharp, set for their supper, and will come in most ready to take my head off. Tain't no fault o' mine, but that'll not make no difference. Well, I'll call him anyhow, for them fellers ain't coming down again tonight. So saying, she set her light in the window and hurried her culinary operations, for she was getting ready a second and more plentiful meal than the one she had set before the travelers. Ere many moments, four men, great, broad-shouldered, brawny, rough-looking fellows, on whose faces ignorance, vice, and cruelty were plainly stamped, came creeping stealthily in at the open door. "'Well, old girl, what have you bagged?' asked the eldest, in whom we recognized Bill Shark, the confederate of Brannon and Littleton. "'I conclude it's something, since we've been kept a-starve until this time o' night.' His tone, though suppressed, was savage and his look angry and sullen. She held up a warning finger. Hush, shh, shh, they're up and awake, yet. More quiet, boys. Let up now and go to work. The vittles is all on the table. Are you a-going to tell me what I asked? demanded her husband in a fierce undertone, as he sat down and began helping himself liberally to the smoking vines, but looking more at her than at them. It's him, she answered with a slight chuckle, and he's as nice-looking and soft-spoken a chap as ever you see. And what o' that, sneered one of the sons, his pretty face ain't a-goin' to save him. Maybe not, Abner, but I'm afeard they're too strong for ye. How many? Six. And one on him's Tom Johnson. This announcement was received with a volley. Not loud, but deep. Bill adding, he'll count two at least. The other two fellers will have to come and lend a hand whether or no, said Abner gloomily. Don't you let em off, Dad. With them and Brandon, we'll be seven, and if we come on em asleep, why, we'll not have such hard work, I take it. Time they were asleep now. How long since they went up there? There was an angry gleam in Bill's eyes as he turned them upon his wife. Long enough to have got to sleep twicked over, I should think, but they hain't done it. Hark, they're moving about and talking too, I believe. Then you didn't mind my orders and ought to be licked. And he half rose from his chair and seized her by the arm. But his sons interfered. Are you mad, old man? Pulling him back into his seat. We'll not have a chance if you kick up a row now. He yielded, though with an ill grace, and the woman, not in the least disconcerted by his brutal behavior, said in her ordinary tone as she replenished his empty cup, "'Twasn't no fault o' mine, Bill. I'd a drugged him every one if uh, that fellow would have took his eyes off on me for a single moment. But it did beat all, the way he watched me back and forward, and all the time I hadn't the least mite of a chance.' This explanation seemed to appease the man's wrath, and the meal was concluded without further disturbance. 
A whispered consultation followed. Then two of the younger Rufians went out and plunged into the forest in the direction from whence they had come. At no very great distance they came out upon a little clearing where stood a tiny cabin, roughly but strongly built of unhewn logs. No window save an aperture, scarce a foot square near the roof, and the one door of solid oak planks furnished with heavy bolts and bars upon the outside. This was the prison intended by Littleton for the safe keeping of Clendenon, the man to whom he owed his life. Heretofore it had been used by the sharks as a depository for their ill-gotten gains. Near at hand, but concealed from view by the thick undergrowth, the Englishman and his valet lay sleeping upon the ground, wrapped each in his blanket and with sword and gun within reach of his hand. A few minutes' search disclosed their whereabouts to the sharks, and it was no gentle waking that ensued. Ho! Rouse up, I tell ye, and wake! Howled Abner, touching hands with his foot. You're both wanted at the house. Yas, grunted hands sleepily, but I didn't see you purty leaves miner to dake his sleep. What is it? What's wanted this time of night? demanded Littleton, starting up and glancing about him in no amiable mood. You're wanted, was the gruff, unceremonious reply. Game's begged, but such a lot we must come on him as strong as possible. What? You've got Clendenin? Littleton's tone was jubilant. Humph, he's there, but he ain't took yet, and there's five more stout fellows, and one o' them's a c to any equal to any two o' us, so come along, both o' ye. No, said Littleton, you have undertaken the job, and it's no part of my plan to assist in the fray. I'll pay liberally when it's done, but as I told you in the first place, I can't have Clennon get sight of either my face or that of my valet. Black your faces, or tie a handkerchief over them, suggested Abner's brother. No, he'd recognize our voices. You're a coward, sneered Abner. No use arguing with the... He won't get his job done. Tain't likely, if he don't help, that's all. Come on back. Perhaps Brandon's there by now, and if the feller's only quite down to sleep, I for one am willing to try it for the sake of the plunder and the cash. We'll have in hand afore we let these air chaps have their way with the one they're wanting to get shut of. What? muttered Littleton in a tone of extreme disgust as the two ruffians turned and left the spot to make their way rapidly back to the house. They found Brannon there, waiting with the others for the slight occasional sounds overhead to cease, as they dared not make the desired attack with their intended victims awake and prepare to meet and repel it but they waited in vain. Our travelers, hearing men's voices conversing in subdued tones in the room below, understood for what they were waiting, and not wishing for a fight, took care to let them know that they had not all succumbed to sleep. In fact, the hunter, listening intently with his ear to a crack in the floor, heard the woman say, Not yet, they're not asleep yet, for I hear them moving. Yeah, do, eh, he growled in undertone. Well, you'll likely keep on a-hearing it till them woves o' yourn goes back to their den in the woods. At last, as a faint streak of dawn began to show itself above the eastern horizon, the men drew close together and held a whispered consultation, the result of which was the decision to give up attacking here. Leave at once and hasting on ahead of the travelers, post themselves at a certain spot favorable for an ambuscade, where they would play the highwayman, 
relieving the fellers o' their plunder, as they expressed it, and letting them go with their lives if they were wise enough not to show fight, but take Clendenin prisoner for the sake of slaking Brandon's thirst for revenge and obtaining Littleton's offered reward. The first part of their plan was at once put into execution and with no small sense of relief. Our travelers heard them depart. Up, boys, now's our time, said the hunter. Day's breaking. The thieves has left for the present, and we best get out o' this instanter. The others being of the same opinion, they hastily gathered up their guns and saddlebags, unbarred the door, and as nearly in a body as might be, the hunter taking the lead, descended the stepladder to the room below. The woman nodding in her chair beside the smoldering embers of the fire was its only occupant. She started up saying, Why, you're early, ain't you? I hadn't thought of getting breakfast yet. Never mind, we don't want any, mother, said Johnson dryly. Why, ye ain't going already. You better stay for breakfast. I'll not be long getting it. No, they answered, we must start at once. You didn't sleep much, I think, she remarked sullenly, following them to the door. How do you know, queried Johnson, giving her a sharp look. Oh, I was up myself, and I heard you moving around. Clinton stepped back to inquire and pay her charges for the entertainment of the party, and thought she eyed him strangely during that transaction with a sort of repressed eagerness and cupidity, and somewhat as if she were trying to estimate his strength and calculate whether she dare measure it with her own and would gain anything thereby. He puzzled over it for a moment as he hastened to rejoin his companions, who were at the stable busied in saddling their horses, then dismissed it from his thoughts with the conclusion that it was his purse she wanted to secure. It was now quite light, and the sun began to show his face above the treetops as they mounted in a way facilitating themselves on their fortunate escape. I see now, said Kenneth in tones of thankfulness, why that seemingly unfortunate delay was sent me. It was certainly a special providence. Ho, comrades, cried the hunter, suddenly reining in his steed across the path so as to bring the whole party to a halt. I have a thought. Better keep it for a nest egg then, Tom, laughed Collins, overflowing with in view of their recent deliverance. No, I hadn't, Sam. I better by half use it to save our plunder, if not our lives. You must know, lads, that Tom Johnson's no stranger to these here woods, and knows the trail better in the dock there, and the rest o' you reading men knows a book. Now, Tom, my boy, that hasn't an over-modest sound, but what's that thought of yours? Let's have it at once. Listen, then. About six or seven miles further on, there's a place where the trail runs through a little valley between two hills that's covered thick with trees and bushes. And now I tell you, the men is just lying in wait there, engine style, to catch us between two fires as we come along. Then what's to be done was asked in various tones of inquiry and dismay. Why, we'll just keep out of the trap. I'll take you round it. I know the way. And though it'll give us a few more mouths and hard ones at that, it'll be better than making ourselves a target, or rather half a dozen of them, for those men to shoot at, won't it? Yes, yes, from all the voices in unison. The hunter wheeled his horse and galloped on, the rest following in single file. He kept the trail for a while, then struck off into the thick woods, and for a couple of hours they had a toilsome time, pushing their way through thickets, leaping logs, and fording one or two streams. 
Then, taking the ordinary trail again beyond the point of danger, they were able to go forward with comparative ease and comfort. With the purpose to make his assaulting party as strong as possible, Bill Sharks sent Brandon to urge Littleton and his valet to join them, where they were to lie in ambush. Littleton once again roused from slumber, received the messenger surly, declined to go with him, but fearful of the consequences of utter refusal to comply with the demand, for the message was couched in terms that make it such, promised to join them shortly after refreshing himself with food, and made Brandon describe the locality and manner of reaching it so particularly as to enable him to find it without a guide. The moment Brandon was out of earshot, Littleton turned to his valet. What say you, Hans? Are those fellows to be trusted not to turn on us, if it happens to suit their fancy, after they have finished with the other party? Miner, I dick stay is bond by a lot. Then we won't put ourselves in their power. Listen, we will not join them, but will hide in some place where we can watch their proceedings unknown to them. And if events don't turn out as we could wish, we will slip away through the woods and continue our journey and so escape their hands. Now kindle a fire and prepare me a cup of strong coffee. With no small difficulty and damage to their clothing from thorns and briars, they at length succeeded in taking up a position advantageous for the carrying out of Littleton's plans. Shark's party had divided, posting themselves three on one side of the little valley, three on the other, and less than half way up the hills. Littleton's ambush was on the eastern of the two hills, considerably higher up, where from behind a screen of bushes and interlacing vines he could see all that might occur in the valley below. He found to his satisfaction that he could also overhear whatever was said by the man in an ordinary tone of voice. The first sound that greeted his ear was a solemn growl from the elder shark, familiarly styled as Bill. What's a keepin' that there Britisher and his Dutchmen? I tell you, lads, they're a brace of cowards and don't mean to take no share of this here fray. I'd go after him and give him a lesson if I was sure of getting back. But the other fellows may be along now any minute. I likes to send the lady drought down off that von pig shrounder, muttered Hans, laying his hand on the hunting knife in his belt. An imperative gesture from Littleton commanded silence. Brandon was saying something in answer to Bill's remark, but the tones were so low that Littleton could catch only a word here and there, not enough to learn its purport. A long silence followed, broken occasionally by a mutter or an exclamation of impatience, then a low-toned consultation, which resulted in the dispatching of one of the younger villains to contour and try to discover why their intended victims delayed their appearance. Another long waiting, and then the scout returned. Been all the way back to the house, he reported, loud enough for every word to reach the listeners above. And not a sign of him to be seen. The old woman says they left there at sunup. So if any o' you can tell what's become of him, it's more than I can. Must have smelled a rat somehow, and pushed through the woods another way, cried Bill, pouring out him volley of bad words and in tones so ferocious that Littleton's blood almost curdled in his veins. Then his heart nearly stood still with a fright as the man went on in the same savage tones. Well, there ain't no use in waiting here no longer. They've got off safe and sound and we're not a penny the richer. But there's that Britisher. 
with a pocket full of tin that'll come as good to us as the other fellers. Let's hunt him up and help ourselves. Easy work it'll be. All of us against two. Hans and his master exchanged glances. Littleton held up a finger in token of silence, and again they strained their ears to hear the talk going on below. The men seemed to be of one mind in regard to robbing him, impaled to it by their cupidity and their indignation at his failure to join them according to promise. Fortunately for him, they had no suspicion of his vicinity, and presently set off in a body to search for him at the scene of his late bivouac. The moment they went at, were out of sight, and hearing he and hands rose, scrambled down the hill, mounted their horses which they had left at its foot, concealed in the thick wood, and striking into the trail at the nearest point, pushed on their way eastward with all possible despatch. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baker Soft Story Classic.